to The Measure of a Fan, a Star Trek-themed podcast in which two Star Trek nerds take a Star Trek noob through all of Star Trek in chronological order. I am PJ Montgomery, and joining me on this journey as ever are Star Trek nerd Matt Troy. What's up? And Star Trek noob Elliot Red. What's up? So this week we are looking at another episode of Enterprise. It's Enterprise for a while, and this is Fortunate Son. Before we get to the episode itself, we're recording this the weekend after Amazon Prime finally released Star Trek Lower Decks in the UK. I watched all of it at the weekend. This is relevant. And after I watched it, I decided I would do something stupid. And I went on Twitter and I ranked all the Star Trek shows in my order of preference. I got some backlash. (laughs) What happened? Well, the top three for me are always it's Next Generation, then Deep Space Nine, then the original series. That never changes, but everything below that can sort of fluctuate depending on my mood that day. Yeah. On this particular occasion, I put Voyager second from bottom, only above the animated series. Oh, wow. So it was below Enterprise in the rankings. I got some Voyager fans up in my grill telling me, how dare I put it below Enterprise? What is wrong with me? I mean, obviously, Elliot at the moment has never seen Voyager, but I can only assume that he thinks it could only be better than this. Um, well, I, I'm also aware I've only seen the worst of Enterprise so far. <laughs> <laughs> I think that the dizzying lows of Voyager pull it down. I think that there are plenty of competent episodes of, of Star Trek. Not, I think there's a, I, I think Voyager is outstanding as a TV show at all, like TNG and Deep Space Nine were or even the original mm. series. But for Star Trek, Voyager has some plenty of good episodes. But yeah, the, the, the Nadia episodes, the worst ones, really drag it down. That's it. My argument was that Voyager does have some great episodes. There is some stuff I absolutely love in there, but it's so wildly inconsistent in both tone and quality through the whole seven-year run that you never really know what you're going to get, whereas I would say Enterprise sort of goes on an upward curve. Yes, I agree with you. I think that, again, this is all open to misremembering, and I'd love to come back to this when we finish season four of uh, of Enterprise and, and, and reflect on what we've said and see if we, we still think this. But as is the best of my recollection, like the third and fourth series do actually get a hell of a lot better. Yeah. Whereas Voyager consistently just noodles around like the, the sort of mark, like the, the good episodes like middling episode like i can't think of any like voyager episode that would really kick the ass out of any of the other series episodes except for maybe enterprise the 
the ones I really like in Voyager tend to be the the fun ones. Yeah. Like the um I can't remember what it's called now, but the 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 two part time travel episode from the second or third season where they go back to mid nineties San Francisco. Oh yeah, that's, that's great fun. Great episodes of Voyager, yeah. Uh, but they're not ones that say that will reach the philosophical highs of say Next Generation's Inner Light or most of Deep Space Nine, and I, that's something that for me Voyager lacks. Yes, absolutely, I agree, and it lacks any characters I think who are able to, to carry that. Um, and not to, to berate the actors in any particular way, from there were fantastic actors on uh, Voyager. Tim Russ, for example, who does not get the credit for having the funniest line in Spaceballs. We ain't. <laughs> but also, uh, yeah, I, it's not to do with the characters. It's not to do with Robert Picardo or uh, um, Ethan, what's his name, who plays Neelix. Ethan Phillips. Ethan Phillips, yeah, who are all have demonstrated how good they are elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, it is literally the construct of the, the show and its characters. So there we go. For the moment, Matt and I both put Enterprise above Voyager. That might change, as as Matt said, as we get to the end of Enterprise, and when we do eventually get to Voyager, we might that might switch around. But that's where we currently stand. So should we get to Fortunate Son? Let's. Yeah, sure. Before we start, just as a bonus on top of that, uh, quickly, I've never actually seen Spaceballs. Oh. I think that could be a special Patreon episode. I was going to say, that could be a bonus yeah. episode if you care as much for that. <laughs> well, no, we, we can do that, because here's the thing. I have seen it. I don't particularly rate it. Oh, interesting. I think it's... I'm not, really a, I'm not really a fan of Spaceballs. I can't even remember why. I haven't watched it for about 20 years. But no, we'll, we'll definitely do that to, for when we do have a Patreon. We'll do it as a Patreon-exclusive bonus. It is It is by far not Mel Brooks's best uh, film, but I still, I still have much affection for Spaceballs. Well, there we go. Right, Fortunate Son... So it's an interesting little opening to this one, the the teaser, because it just it's basically two dudes on a freighter, the fortunate, playing football on their low gravity ship and just seeing how far they can throw an American football. You, you know what? When I started to watch it um, this morning, I didn't have my glasses on. I was watching it on my phone for reasons I'm not even going to go into right now, maybe later. <laughs> and I thought, oh, it's like old Archer and, and, and Trip. I thought it was like them in the future. And I put my glasses on. I was like, oh, no, it's not. It's just the <laughs> same old shit happening elsewhere. <laughs> yeah, the captain of the ship, played by Charles Lucia, who has done a few Star Trek things uh, in the past. But particularly for me, I have fond memories because he was uh, Ambassador Alcar in the episode of The Next Generation, Man of the People, which was the first ever episode i had on video of star trek which episode man of the people and relics oh relics is good yeah but man of the people is he's he's an ambassador who comes on the ship to negotiate a peace treaty and all of a sudden deanna troy starts aging rapidly and goes a bit nuts um i vaguely remember it it's been a while since i watched all of tng through (laughs) but we'll but that's just a fun little tidbit so yeah they're playing football and then norsican pirates invade the ship that is our cold open and you know where norsicans are from the valley of the mm. wind <laughs> they are actually named after that they are yeah i, I looked this up <laughs> yeah. okay <clears throat> i was gonna say that's the only other term i've ever heard the word norsica yes yeah. norsica of the valley of the wind is is uh the first studio ghibli movie one of my favorite studio ghibli movies and in the english dub stars patrick stewart so it's all connected oh, oh dope. Wow. 
But yeah, because Elliot Norsikans do first appear in The Next Generation. They're not a new take on an original series, Alien or anything like that. Uh, although, Matt, has the makeup changed slightly between... They, they, they look slightly different to me. I feel they looked cooler in Next Generation um, yeah. than they did in uh, this. I, I vaguely remember them looking kind of a bit more like Predator. In Yeah. Yeah, I've just, just memory alphaed them now. And the Norsican is... Oh, yeah, they, they're all kinds of weirdly different. Yeah. I they, think they feel toned down in Enterprise. Yeah, they're one of those races, I think, that kind of all look a little bit different, you know? Like humans. No, you know what I mean? There's weird things going on. <laughs> There's not just four identical men in suits. They all have a little difference to them. Yeah. Like, I mean. mm. Yeah, like, they have a bit of variation on their like head spikes. and. Yeah, they certainly all just look like the same alien. Oh, sorry, is that alienist? <laughs> <laughs> Which is suitable for Enterprise, because that's what it's all about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But is is this our first episode of Enterprise where we don't the, the the teaser scene isn't any of our main characters or the Enterprise? It's it's just completely separate to our normal people. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Because I do quite like it when they do that. Yeah, I, I, I like enjoyed that too. it. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It was nice to have a something different for once. Yeah, the Malcolm talking about guns or something. <laughs> oh, we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, oh yes, we will. Yeah. So after the opening titles, we're in Archer's bedroom and he's sleeping without a shirt on because we all need topless Scott Bakula in our lives. He's a very hairy man. <laughs> he uh, he's woken up by a call from Admiral Forrest, and basically Starfleet have picked up a distress call from the Fortunate, and they're asking Archer and the Enterprise to go and see what's up. Which I, I like that. I like that you see him have to interact with somebody rather than just him coming and going, we've had a message and we're going to do this. Yeah, and also a nice little reference back to the episode with the ice asteroid. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then Archer says to Porthos, he's going to start early, and Porthos just looks at him and says, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh I missed that line. That was... He didn't say that in the version I was watching. He just looked like a dog, but maybe I'll have to delete the scene or something. Just heavy subtext. So, is it then... It's goes to Topol explaining the ship. That's it, yeah. And the weird part about this is Travis goes, not counting newborn babies, and the captain goes, who the fuck are you? And he's like, I've been here since the start. All right, okay. Um, and then he has to explain what he meant about newborn babies, like they didn't know what sex was. <laughs> it's the fact that these these freighter journeys, because they say the fortunate can only do maximum of like warp one point eight. Yeah, and these so these these journeys that these freighters take take a very long time, and apparently people just get bored and have babies. Crazy, right? <laughs> and I, why don't they understand that, or why don't they just know it? Like it's not you know in in the modern world we all know a little bit about navies and about you know merchant navies we don't know what the ins and outs are all but we know that you know certain things happen you'd think that as the freighters travel from places they take five year journeys to get from colony to colony colony that they would just go oh yeah that's right yeah sometimes people have sex <laughs> why is it unusual to them. 
And then after that, Malcolm goes, yeah, but what weapons does it have? <laughs> yeah, oh. and there we go. Thus proving the biggest weapon on Enterprise is fucking Malcolm. <laughs> <laughs> but what are the weapons like? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it was also, it was the first instance of Travis having any kind of character in the show. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's weird. This episode should almost be Travis's episode. And in an episode that should be about Travis, I still feel like he doesn't quite have enough to do. I, I agree. I, I feel that um, the, the competent directing of LeVar Burton actually improved this episode, but it was still left a lot to be desired in terms of having Travis actually do something. But we, we are going to talk about Travis a lot more than we normally do as we go on. But for the moment, I do also just want to say, I like the design of the Fortunate and this freighter. It, it looks it looks like a good space, you know, truck. Cargo truck ship, delivering right? vegetables and things. Yeah, I like it. It's got um, you don't you do, you absolutely don't want to put vegetables on it because <laughs> they will go off. Um, but yeah, I like it. It's kind of got sort of a, a lived-in aliens sort of feel to it, or the or like the expanse or something. Yeah, it yeah. It, like it feels like the side of space travel we don't normally see in Star Trek. That's right. Yeah, I think that it's sort of the design has come from previous designs where practicality was the was the absolute you know, law, but as they've kind of moved on, they've allowed those ships to have a little bit more sort of grace in them, a little bit more design. So they've kind of got that like little Art Deco style truck at the front <laughs> in front mm. of cargo pods. I liked it. Also, I liked the bit when they're going there and they see that the hatch has been damaged. And then I think Travis says, oh, there should be an auxiliary hatch on the port side, which is basically Travis just saying, obviously there's two doors like, because Malcolm, <laughs> Malcolm didn't seem to think that they would be for some fucking <laughs> But look, if it's not a weapon, Malcolm doesn't know about it. That's mm. <laughs> Yeah, so an away team of Archer, Malcolm, Travis, and Dr. Flox arrive on on the freighter and they're um they get a hostile greeting. The the First officer, I guess, the, yeah. the second in command, Ryan. The captain's been taken out of action by the Norskin attack, and Ryan is not happy that they're there. Yeah, so this is grade A KG people when the crew turn up. Like One of the things about Star Trek is the characters turn up somewhere, and the people are either welcoming, but hiding something, just welcoming, or they are KG as fuck. And these guys... Are amongst the best KG act, uh, especially Captain or Commander Ryan, is one of the most KG people that we've seen so far in the show. I think. Well, it's I, uh, it's like when last episode we talked about the the alien dude who had the reactor in his basement, yeah. and how he was basically twirling his mustache the whole way through. This is similar to that in that these guys turn up and it's instant paranoia. Oh yeah, they're like oh you know they don't understand their ways, and and, and Commander Ryan's like Captain. You don't understand. I'm very obviously hiding something. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. I mean, I don't know any of the like Star Trek tropes of what they'll encounter more than once, kind of thing. But I could obviously tell the same thing that yeah, this dude was obviously and unnecessarily obviously shifty. But <laughs> in this scene, I did get. I didn't know this episode was directed by Lavar Burton, but I definitely had a feeling and i was going to ask if it was directed by somebody different because in this scene i could tell just with like the camera angles the music behind everything i was like this feels way more 
professional <laughs> all of a sudden like i could immediately feel that this episode was very different and had a different tone to the everything before it and as soon as you said it was directed by lavar burton that kind of snapped into place so lavar burton is very prolific as a director on star trek i think he's probably the the cast member who's directed the most episodes even more than frakes and i think he's up there with frakes in terms of just getting what star trek needs as because jonathan frakes would turn out to be one of the very best directors star trek has ever had he's still directing it today on both discovery and picard is that um uh, yeah yeah interesting yeah, so what, the next bit, he comes on the ship for a tour, doesn't he, to, to take a look at the, the new shiny ship. And Yeah, well, basically, Phlox says he's going to treat the captain, and Archer says, we're going to help you with your repairs. And he reluctantly agrees. But then we do, I do, we do have to mention that before, uh, the Enterprise crew don't find out yet, but they have a Nautican prisoner that they are torturing. Oh, that's right, yeah, he's in there, and they're, like, ineffectually torturing him. Yeah, but then we get Travis giving him a tour of the of the Enterprise, and I do like how um, surprised and impressed he is by the transporter. I like that aspect of this is shiny new technology. That scene made me laugh because he says, "Have you been through the transporter?" And Travis is like, "No, I'm not an important enough character to have been." My one job on this ship is flying people down to planets on shuttles. When they get this working on people, I am out of a job. <laughs> yeah. Nobody knows who I am. I felt a bit like this guy is being so obviously cagey, and Travis tries a little bit too hard to be his best friend. Yeah, it it feels uncomfortable. Well, it's the oh my god, he's from a freighter. I'm from a freighter. We were meant to be. (laughs) (laughs) What is the cake made out of? As well, they mention. Um, yeah. that when it's a birthday, they make a cake. Is it like a big cake of shit? Is that what it is? <laughs> I mean, it's all the shit Malcolm scraped off the side of the shuttles. They use oh, it, it together, and yeah. this is the first time in that they've had a shuttle episode where Malcolm hasn't had to scrape poo off the bottom of it. Well, we don't know that. No, they just rubbed it in the handle of the door instead. <laughs> <laughs> what a running joke. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get bored with him enough, I'm sure. Ah, uh, we'll see. Maybe they'll actually make him do like some kind of cleaning scene in one day, and it'll all pay off. <laughs> we also find out in this part of the episode that the North Star, which was um, Commander Ryan's parents' freighter, was it was destroyed and they died. Yeah, by Norsecan pirates. Yeah, and look, I do. I get why they have Travis trying to befriend him. It does make sense. You know, Travis has Mm. that background as well. But I I feel like, and I don't know if this is maybe the actor, Anthony Montgomery, saying, I finally got something to do. But I think he just plays it a bit too earnest. Yeah, he is. He is very earnest, isn't he? I I think they tried to go, try too hard to go out of their way to kind of make him like a likable character, considering they don't have anything to do. Yeah. I agree. We do, though, get the first reference in his conversation with Ryan to the other three NX-class ships that are currently being built. Oh, yeah. So we know that they are trying to build more Enterprise-like ships, which, Elliot, you do need to remember that. Okay. I mean, you yeah. don't. 
it will be explained to you explicitly in another episode. But <laughs> I was going to say, I imagine that I won't need to remember it vitally. Oh, it'll probably to. turn otherwise, up. Otherwise, it'll turn up and you'll go, hey, where'd this ship come from? They never told me they were building that. <laughs> I, I kind of assumed they were anyway. I just assumed they were going, oh, we built one. Right. That's all we need. <laughs> when we find out there's another NX-class starship that you just don't scream all the way through the episode in horror. <laughs> <laughs> But we then get a nice little scene, or I thought it was a nice little scene anyway, of T'Pol on the fortunate uh, interfering with children's game of hide and seek. I like that scene, actually. Uh, yeah, I thought it was lo- just a nice little, she she finds a child hiding in a in a little conduit thing, and when another kid says, hey, have you seen Nadine? T'Pol goes, I don't know which child is Nadine. <laughs> uh. God. Which was also a nice way of getting around the Vulcans not being able to lie thing. Yeah. I, I What I actually think she did there was use the most logical way of making the child go away. <laughs> it was classic to Paul. It was. It was. But I enjoyed it. But while she's doing that, to Paul is scanning and she detects a non-human life form on board the Fortunate. And it's not a Tenebian skunk, as they claim that it is. Yes, and I'm just disappointed they didn't go with the Denobulan lemur. I know, I can't wait for that lemur. <laughs> Which means that T'Pol, having had a third of the dialogue as Travis, has already been more useful in this episode so far. Yes. Yes. Yeah, she's... <laughs> it consistently is, is useful, I think, as a character. Yeah. She's the one you want to do stuff, but yeah, already more interesting than Travis. So... Archer, and I actually, again, I really like this scene in, in his ready room. They confront Ryan and say, you've got a Norsecan prisoner. And Ryan basically says, it's none of your business what we're doing. And it's that, it, it is that thing with Archer saying, look, taking prisoners, yes, they attacked you and they, they've, they've done some bad things, but this isn't the way to deal with that. And Ryan points out, you have no jurisdiction over us. And I love the move. It's a baller move from Archer when he goes, okay, no, I don't. But I'll tell you what I do have this jurisdiction over. Trip, everything we put in his ship, take it out. But also, on that, I mean, yeah, that was cool. But they were very clear at the beginning of the episode that they didn't want their help anyway. So it's like, I don't want your help. I don't want you to remove the help. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> I feel like they just didn't want the help because they didn't want them discovering the Norsican, but inside yeah. he was going, now if they can repair stuff for us, that would be handy. Yeah, yeah, that is fair. That is a very fair point. Uh, but then Ryan says, well, fine, okay, you can come see the prisoner. And they go back on the ship, and okay, this is a weird scene. So they walk into a trap, effectively, where they're ambushed by Ryan's crew. But I feel like. Normally, I think in this situation, we talk about how they're being incompetent, but I actually feel like even Malcolm, even Malcolm in this scene, they're not incompetent because I don't think you would expect Ryan to shoot a hole in his own ship. Yeah. Yeah. This is definitely one of the few scenes and episodes in general where I felt like it was actually kind of well written in a few places at the very least. To, the, to, to, to such an extent that I could actually make an, a couple of Expanse references in this episode, and they were <laughs> like them being trapped in a prison and somebody blasts a, a hole through the wall and it starts to vent air. I mean, Expanse obviously does it better because they think very hard about these things. It's not just like, oh, it's like it's a little hole in there. But also, and I want to give Malcolm his, his views here, he had a bit of a phase pistol boner in this bit, but... 
you if this was discovery they'd have all been captured straight away a couple of extras would have been killed it would have been um an, an absolute travesty but they actually deal with it in a relatively competent way even though it's a trap yeah none of the enterprise crew get shot and basically ryan leads them into one of the storage containers i guess it is on the side of the fortunate and then he bl- they have a firefight he blasts a hole in it and his crew leg it and then they disconnect it from the main ship so it's just floating so archer malcolm flox and Apollo are trapped on there and the air's escaping but yeah no one actually gets hurt and the enterprise is able to basically send a shuttle to get them fairly quickly so and, and as you say it's 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 not a move you would expect someone to pull and also that they fire the torpedo and try and hit the ship to stop it recovering, but it just manages to get away at warp speed and that's again a situation we haven't seen any anything like in the any of the episodes before where there's actual tension in what might happen and something unexpected actually happens that is true although why they keep firing torpedoes is beyond me it never works <laughs> i don't think they have anything else at the moment though do they no they don't they don't have any phases i don't think no not yet but the the fortunate escapes and the enterprise goes after him we get more Ryan interrogating the Norsk and trying to get shield frequencies of Norsk and ships and, and things like that. And on the Enterprise, Travis, is he speaks to Archer and he's basically saying, look, I, I get where they're coming from. And Archer's like, well, yeah, so do I. But that doesn't mean that what they're doing is the right thing. Yeah. Maybe Ryan's right. Maybe this isn't any of our business. If he doesn't want our help, why force it on him? So you think we should just let Ryan take on the Nausicans? Don't underestimate a freighter crew, sir. My father never ran into any trouble he couldn't handle himself, Nausicans included. So what happens to the Nausicans? Sir? Suppose Ryan finds the ship that attacked him. Maybe it's been damaged, and the fortunate is more than a match for them. What do you think Ryan will do? He'd probably try to blow them out of the sky. I don't know about you, Travis, but that doesn't sit right with me. Human beings have a code of behavior that applies whether they're Starfleet officers or space boomers, and it isn't driven by revenge. Just because someone isn't born on Earth doesn't make him any less human. You're right, sir. I suppose I should understand that more than anyone. Any other orders of mine you'd like to question? Not today, sir. I mean, what they're doing very much is the wrong thing, but I don't think this is, is a morality issue here. I think this is a competent, competency issue on behalf of, of Commander Ryan. Uh, in the, What proof did he have that those codes were going to work yeah that too that too they do manage to the fortunate chase finds the norskan ship and uh it turns out it's at a big old norskan base with lots of other norskan ships oh that's right yeah and then the do they get fired on then does the enterprise get fired on next 
Well, the Enterprise arrives as Norskins are breaking into the Fortunate, and they dress like a biker gang, which I thoroughly enjoyed. I, I made a note here. Norskins are dressed like bad guys from The Walking Dead. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I also want to skip back slightly, um, because there is that point as well, before they, they follow The Fortunate, where The Fortunate fires what I can only assume is a plot device charge at the Enterprise that... The, the trip says there's no, oh, nothing happened and then they get back to the ship it turns out the long range sensors have gone and why was nobody on top of that <laughs> <laughs> and how that like they said they've got like a little pop gun on that thing but they still managed mm. to, to pretty much do some damage to the enterprise only enough to delay the enterprise long enough for more plot oh yeah and then after that as well another note that i've got is when uh, travis does go to um to archer to ask him about this thing he says do you have a minute to and archer turns around and goes who the hell are you and (laughs) (laughs) yeah i remember that bit (laughs) Uh, i got another point here as well why are all the norsegans using the same shield frequencies if they all change their frequencies by like you know two dials two points whatever then you wouldn't just be able to shoot through all of their shields. Well, they only had the one shield frequency at this point in time. I don't know, but the implication is that there are multiple shield frequencies because that's what they're beating that Norsican up for. I, it's I, like it's, it's like the early days of radio, though, where if you didn't get the right frequency, you wouldn't get any radio. Am I missing some kind of science on shields here? How does what you have to match your laser frequency to a shield's frequency in order to penetrate it or something? Yeah. Nobody truly knows, but as you've noted already on the show, that the Enterprise and the um, the Fortunate both have something called hull plating, which has yeah. a score. And they polarize a, it, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> which also is stupid. Like, how can you have? How can the hulls be like twenty five percent polarized? Like surely they are polarized or they're not. I don't. I don't understand that. Anyway, but the Norsegans, I think, do have a rudimentary energy shield, and that's what they're gonna they're shooting through. But shields work in you hit them and hit them and hit them until eventually they wear out from hundred percent to zero. But you can it's also very match- much a video game health bar. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah, absolutely. And also. You can, yeah, if you match the frequencies, like there are various frequencies of, of lasers or phasers and shields. And if you match them, then you can take them out, which I always think, well, it's cool actually, because it gives you a different way than just wearing the shields down to, to quickly overcome some plot device. And it also is a good plot device for villains to use against the more powerful uh, heroes. So it's just one of those tropes that gets over, overused in Star Trek, though, ultimately. But it has. There's some examples of it being used very well. But yeah, as you say, it does does get a little overused here and there. But we do. When the Enterprise arrives, we get a lovely conversation between Archer and whoever this Nautican leader is, basically saying, "Look, let me take these humans out of here. I'll negotiate to get your your guy given back to you." And there's a point where Travis interrupts him, and the look Archer gives him that moment, <laughs> yeah. I loved of like, "Shut up! You're not the captain." But it says a lot with a look, but then just gets right back to it. There's that bit where he says, um, you wouldn't be there if you hadn't attacked. And then Archer looks at him and goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. Who the hell where are you? Where did you come from? Has <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> there always been a console here? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> it just goes, did anyone else hear that? That was weird. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but then but then they start speaking to Ryan, who's now in a firefight with lots of Norskins, and then then he lets Travis get on the radio because he remembers who he is. He says, "Oh yes, you're this episode's plot device. Got it." And then Travis gets up and walks around, <laughs> doing his speech, and you know it's just like Levar Burton going, "Look, man, I really want to give you something good to do, <laughs> so we're gonna have you like you know we're gonna have you do like the whole captain thing of like walking around." But it just it seems I feel like it's irritating Archer, like he's like. He's walking around. Like, he's yeah. <laughs> My I, I also kind of wanted the ship to start drifting to the left while he wasn't at his station flying it. <laughs> yeah. oh. This is also Archer's, Archer's and Travis's voices coming through the speakers of the cargo ship. I forget the name of. Oh, the Fortunate. The Fortunate. The Fortunate. And Ryan, I, at first... I didn't understand that Archer was hearing Ryan because Ryan was just like, didn't seem to have any communicators on him. I assume there's just a microphone in the room somewhere picking his voice up and translating it back to Archer on his ship. It's nebulous Star Trek communicators, which just work when you need them to, but don't when the plot demands it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Somebody, I think the implication is somebody was on the bridge and they're like, Oh, somebody important should hear this. I'm going to patch it through to the loudspeaker and scare everybody. Okay. 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 But at first, Ryan's all, no, I want revenge, because he's doing it for revenge. We know that by now. And then Travis is like, well, no, because they're going to, if you get revenge on the Norskans, they're going to want to get revenge on us again, and they're going to blow up someone else's freighter, and they might kill my dad, and I won't be happy about that. And I'll be all sad and stuff. And Ryan's like, oh, I don't want you being sad. So they release the Norsican. Yeah, it was very much a conversation of don't do it. I'm going to do it. Don't do it. I'm going to do it. Don't do, please don't do it. Oh, fine. Okay. I won't do it. <laughs> and that's basically it. The Norsekin goes free. Uh, the captain of the freighter of the fortunate gets better. And he's all like, well, I'm not going to have Ryan be my second in command anymore, but I'm going to keep him around because he's one of us. Yeah. And Archer's all like, Okay, but you know you're going to have to get a warp three engine at some point just to go faster. And the captain's like, "Make me." And Archer's like, "Okay," and <laughs> shoots him. That doesn't happen. No, but the captain is like, "Would you? Uh, do you want to have a drink with me?" And Archer's like, "No, no, no, I'm on duty." And then five minutes later, he's like, "You sure you don't want to have a drink with me?" And Archer's like, "No, I'm still going to go." <laughs> <laughs> Two minutes ago, you just told me that Doctor Flox made you sick, and now you're saying. Right. <laughs> Let's have a drink together. <laughs> I'm going to stay away from you, weird predator. I did also, skipping back a little bit, I did like when they threatened the Norsicans because they were just like, no, we're not going to take your offer. And he's just like, bruh, we're a starship. We've got like weapons and stuff. And they were just like, uh, go go make your stupid deal then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, was it, how much of that was bluffing, do you think? Because their torpedoes haven't been very that. effective, have they? <laughs> yeah. I kind of always want them just to just fly off into space like really pathetically and just nothing happens. And then... <laughs> Bounces <laughs> off a Norsican ship and the Norsicans are like, hey. <laughs> but I think the Norsicans have been set up to be a foe you can deal with. Just so yeah. far, we've seen the Andorians, the Vulcans, and the Klingons. And the Malurians, is it, last week? Yeah. None of which the Enterprise could really deal with without, like, blowing up a nuclear bomb. 
or you know so like we're finally now seeing like races that that are there but earth is actually better than technology wise anyway yeah and i i wonder i do wonder about the choice of the norskans for that i think it works it's a great choice in terms of if to use an existing race we've already seen on next generation and i think deep space nine they appeared on as well maybe uh, but because they are very much that sort of Klingons, but more basic, like they're the angry, shouty, not that smart aliens. And so it made sense for them to be the pirates and for us to have a, something vaguely familiar that was convincingly lower down the rung than where the human race is at this current point in time. You feel that the Norsicans are that sort of alien race that other people are like interfering with so that they, they can't you know, get their, their stuff together. Like, the Federation probably would benefit from, like, creating civil strife in Norsica in the future, or, or the Klingons would, because they're actually quite scary. <laughs> and yeah. and they're actually scarier than Klingons, for sure, and they occupy very much the same space. So I reckon that, you know, the, the Romulans maybe are sort of, you know, dipping into Norsican affairs and, and making things difficult for them to unite as a people or something. I certainly mistook it for a Klingon when I first, very, the f- at first glance, I was like, oh, is that a Klingon? Okay, no, that looks a little bit different. But it felt like sort of discount Klingons throughout this episode at the very least, just kind of in the role they played. Yeah, I think discount Klingons is a good way of describing Norsicans, yeah. I, and I, uh, Star Trek is very, um, uh, very famous for having discount Klingons pop up when you can't have Klingons, the Kazon being the other famous example. But yeah, definitely discount Klingons. Pound chop Klingons. <laughs> well, doesn't if every sci-fi show has their take on discount Klingons, don't they? Really? Yeah, they do. Klingons. <laughs> Was it uh, Babylon Five had the Narn? I would say they're probably the discount yeah, Klingons there. Klingons for sure. Yeah, I would agree with that. Battlestar um, Galactica. That's all humans, unless you go to the seventies show, and that was too camp. Yeah, to have Klingons. I mean. It had Cylons, which is like Klingons if you if you soften the K. <laughs> 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 yeah, there were no aliens. <laughs> I'm sure Stargate had them. I've never seen it, though, so I don't know. Yeah, probably. I can't remember. It's been a while. But yeah, that, that, that was the end of Fortunate Son. And I have to say, actually, I liked this episode. I don't think it was... It's not going to go down as a classic in Star Trek history, and it's not even one of the best episodes of Enterprise. But in terms of what we've watched so far, I did really enjoy it. Yeah, it was it was definitely a step up. Yeah, I definitely it, it felt, felt the like, quality was better. It also felt like something that you couldn't really have done quite the same way on any of the other Trek shows. Because that's a criticism we've leveled at Enterprise. It just does stuff that felt like could have happened on TNG or Voyager sometimes. But this one, it felt like you're seeing this early days of the warp five engine and how that affects the people who work in space starfleet coming out there and how it changes things for these freighter uh, these freighter crews because once you get to like the original series it's just starfleet doing those missions how many episodes of, of star trek or next generation opened with the enterprise saying we're transporting this to this planet this week yeah yeah starfleet do all the cargo runs i mean earth car earth cargo service and this is my sort of like my post episode little bit. Um, and I think that we've talked about this before, uh, uh, Patrick with, um, with our friend Andrew Woodall, uh, about mm. earth cargo service, actually doing a majority of like the, the heavy lifting for, for first contact in those early days. Yeah. Yeah. 
because they're the first ones that would arrive at places to get supplies and and meet up with these aliens. But and seeing how they feel about Starfleet coming in and ships like the Enterprise being built and it changing their whole way of life. Yeah. I think it's very interesting and something that you could only do on Enterprise, really. Exactly. Yeah. This is what Enterprise should have been doing more of. Yes. Yes. And I also like with this episode that you have sort of the classic Star Trek thing where you have two sides and really neither one of them is in the right. The Norsicans should be doing their pirate stuff and the freighter crew are going out for revenge and, and doing that badly as well. And the Enterprise gets stuck in the middle. And I sort of like that. Yeah, there's not really any... any. It's all very shades of grey. Yeah, absolutely. Also, did you know that the uh, working title of this episode was Untitled Boomer Story? <laughs> <laughs> Which means something very different nowadays than, than it did. They did say episode. boomer a lot. Yeah. So I think, like, I want to talk about that term briefly. So yeah. Space Boomer, or simply Boomer, this is according to Memory Alpha, was a 20, 22nd century Earth slang for a person who had been born in space and spent most of their lives there. Crews of Earth cargo service freighters such as the ECS Fortunate and the ECS Horizon were considered boomers. I don't, like, the word boomer comes up in a lot of things. Like in our world, boomers refer to ballistic missile submarines, which is like a nickname for them because they create big booms, you know, from their okay. nuclear warheads. And obviously, there's the baby boomer reference in there in, in terms of something that expands quickly, you know, a boom. And then obviously, there's Boomer from Battlestar Galactica as well, the character. Yes. And in one bit, I remember one character saying, Oh, that's what they call a boomer. And I'm like, I still, still don't quite get why they call a boomer. But. <laughs> I just wanted to bring that up just to just to kind of to note it in there, um, the various different uses of Boomer in the in the real world and in the Star Trek universe. I think if if I have one major criticism of this episode, it's that it's ostensibly a Travis episode and it still doesn't feel like he had enough to do. Yeah, I agree. They still were trying to make Archer the hero. Do you know what would have been better? If Instead of them traveling back and forth in the shuttlecraft, they left Travis in charge to deal with like a group of crewmen on the Fortunate. And when they lock them in that cargo pod, then the uh, it ramps up the tension a hell of a lot more. If they're like a small unarmed group of people, and it's not easy for the Enterprise to get people onto the Fortunate quickly without you know blowing it up maybe or or, or sort of cutting through the hull. I think that could have gone some way into making this a really good Travis episode have him actually being there with them when they're having the firefight with the Norskins and making that speech in person. Yeah, I agree, yeah. actually. Yeah. I think that would have been great. Or, or Also, just to go through that firefight as well with Commander Ryan and his gang when they get trapped in there, I think just could have put it in his hands. They would give Trip an episode like that. Yeah. I don't think it's the last time we're going to see Travis on one of those freighters, though, is it? This is going to come up again later in the show, yeah, I think, yeah, you are if right. I remember correctly. Yeah. yeah. Do we have any more to say on Fortunate Son? I think that's everything for me. <laughs> I will at least point out again that I don't know if it used different, like, you know, every TV show has uh, repeated music that they use in certain situations. This is the tension music. This is the yeah. mysterious music stuff. Anime does that more than anything else usually, but every TV show does it. I don't know if they used different background music in this show, but... It, I've noticed it a lot more in this episode. Maybe it was just utilized better, but 
when they were like exploring the ship obviously the ship had secrets and you didn't trust the captain and all that stuff but it's still the music still powered through and gave it a nice sense 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 of tension i don't know if it's the same music that they've had in other episodes or not but i noticed it more this episode i don't believe star trek shows certainly the the 90s to early 2000s shows had one composer i think they each show would have like three or four composers who would alternate episodes right which is why you don't really have many noticeable themes that i can think of that get worked through them uh i mean i notice a few here and there but but i'm a music guy so yeah (laughs) like i'll hear a, a riff of strings and be like okay i've heard that three times already in the last four episodes just little things when they transition from scene to scene, like the horns and the strings kind of things, those four bar things. I mean, that's a very Star Trek sound as well, right from the start yeah. of next generation to the end of enterprise. That's yeah. Those kind of horns going up. This is not something I spot generally. Like if, if there's like a particular piece of music running through it, that is from somewhere else or, you know, but yeah, that's, that's really interesting because it's not something I ever really consider so that's a totally new angle which i'm glad that you bring to the show yeah yeah it's 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 just something i've noticed only recently is that i noticed that ages ago in anime that anime does it predominantly it's like every episode has the tension music the battle music the happy music the goofy music but tv shows always have it as well in their transitions and stuff they mm-hmm. um mostly cartoons are recognizable family guy that all that's all they play as they transition scenes <laughs> Um, would that uh, get you to keep an ear out on on the music certainly as we get to to the movies obviously those have very recognizable scores and themes that get worked through mm-hmm. um so I'd be curious to get your take on on the star trek film scores when we get there as well but but yeah do bring them up in the tv shows as well because like matt it's not something i've particularly noticed or, or paid a huge amount of attention to before in the past mm-hmm. yeah, i'll have to have a have to have a listen but our next episode is Cold Front. Elliot, what can you tell us about Cold Front? Uh, ice? We've just done the ice episode, for God's sake. <laughs> it's called Cold Front. I don't know. Okay, snow. <laughs> well, join us next time when Elliot will be finding out what Cold Front is about. <laughs> I'm trying to remember myself what Cold Front is about. Mate, I've just looked up the synopsis and I still have no memory of it. I'm going to have to look and see if I can remember <laughs> it. Uh, but please do follow us on social media. Details are in the description of the episode with hopefully a lovely clickable link that you can just hit if I've done that properly. And if you'd like to subscribe to the show, leave us a nice little review, five-star rating. We would hugely, hugely appreciate that. Thank you ever so much for listening. And we will speak to you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.
uh, Earthworm Jim was a cartoon and a video game back in the 90s that I never really spent much time with, but I liked the aesthetics of. Cool. 